Welcome to the ISO on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. I'm your host, Dan Dickow. Today's guest, someone that's going to break down the world of recruiting and evaluating a little bit because it has changed drastically due to COVID and these new NIL rules, the transfer portal. I'm sure we'll get into it at some point. It's SB Live Sports Director of Recruiting, Andrew Nemec. Andrew, thanks for joining Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I remember watching you play when I was a little bit younger, but I remember watching you at Gonzaga, I think first team All-American, if I remember correctly. That was like my heyday of watching every game I could possibly watch. So big fan. I appreciate that. Yes. And uh, I do have some fond memories of my time at Gonzaga and you were correct. First team All-American, but that was years ago. This, <laughs> this, this current stage of athletes are trying to find their way, navigate how to be recruited, how to be seen, how to be evaluated. And the world of recruiting and evaluating has changed. You're on the inner circle, mostly with football, but you're also kind of really cutting your teeth on the basketball side. Give us a little bit about how that world truly works nowadays. Well, it was so interesting because during COVID, suddenly no one had film, right? You didn't have padded film for 11 on 11 football so you had all these different people trying to put together combine events and and you had some people experimenting with spring football obviously that's more established in California Texas and Florida than it is in other parts of the country but you had different states suddenly saying let's throw together a spring all-star game let's try to get film somewhere so it's nice that things are going back to normal I think it was a mad scramble I think you had a lot of of desperate parents hitting up trainers, desperate to do anything. Kids messaging. I, I got more messages during COVID. Check out my film. And it was like working out in the backyard than I've ever seen. So it's good that things are kind of getting back to normal uh, because it was, it was uh, the Wild West for a while there. So you've been growing your platform in regards to the evaluating and the recruiting piece and covering uh, everything that that entails. Uh, give us a little bit about how you started in that world and what drew you to that, because, uh, you know, I went through it years ago. Hopefully my son gets to the point where he's in that world, but it is interesting. There is a lot of moving parts that people don't know about. Yeah, I mean, I really got started young. My dad uh, was a small college football player, and then he had an opportunity to coach a little bit at Baker High School in Eastern Oregon. Um, he had an opportunity to potentially coach a basketball team that was supposed to win state. That was the thing. And we actually drive by there every once in a while going back to Eastern Oregon. And sure enough, those years are on there. They won back-to-back -back titles. He was supposed to take over for that team. That was supposed to be kind of his uh, being anointed into the, the basketball coaching world uh, was a state title, low-level team. And uh, my brother was born and he was born handicapped. And so he decided not to coach and, and not to do all that and take care of my brother. Um, when I was in the second grade, my brother passed away and my dad just really didn't have the energy for coaching. He'd been out of coaching, but it allowed us, uh, unfortunately, I mean, it was a, you know, in a back backwards kind of way, suddenly we had all this free time and a, and a lot of depression being at home. So we went to a lot of high school games in Oregon and it's like, Hey, Tiger, Tiger and Canby are playing or Clackamas and whoever are playing, let's go. So we would just go. And uh, starting in that second grade, he took me out. I think it was a couple months after my brother died. He took me out of school for the first round of the OSA tournament. And so that's like an all day thing. And you eat the chocolate malt with the wood spoon and the whole deal. And my job was always to pick out the best player on the court, on the football field by the end of the first quarter. 
And it was kind of my, I think he was trying to train me to kind of watch sports in a different way. So I remember one game we were watching the USA tournament and this guy had just such a beautiful shot, such a good basketball player, but he missed everything in the first quarter. Looked good, but he was missing a bunch. And I was like, I think that's the best guy. And I remember my dad being so proud that like, Hey, you know, you've got, it was Blake step <laughs> actually. <laughs> and then he's like, God, he moves well. He's a good player. I dad, I think he's the, I know he's over four so far, but look at the way he shoots. Look at the way he moves. You know, he's a, he's a good player. Gonzaga, I think got a good one here, you know? So I remember doing that at a really young age. And then, and then as I grew up, uh, that always kind of stayed in the training. I watched football or basketball to say, who's the best player? What are the little things they're doing? So that's kind of how I got my start. I covered Washington state for a little while. Uh, Clay Thompson's last year at Washington State that was also the last year of Paul Wolf first year of Mike Leach so that was an adventure and and quite a difference in coaching personalities uh, to to kind of be a beat writer for and then I came back to the Oregonian covered high school sports and always kind of had a recruiting recruiting lean with that uh, ended up doing recruiting at the Oregonian and and breaking all their page view records and and then uh, wanting to get out more nationally and, and cover things at a, at a grander scale, because let's be honest, in the state of Oregon, you've got seven or eight good football players in terms of big time potential, and then usually one or two basketball players, they're going to end up being big. So I wanted the opportunity to cover more of the country. Well, let's stay on the topic of Mike Leach, because uh, okay. he is okay. a, he's a quote machine yes. uh, for anybody that, that either follows him or, or is interested in, in some of the things that he says. When you covered that Washington State football team, are there any unique Mike Leach stories that quickly come to mind? Yeah, you, I mean, do you have a bleep button ready? Um, <laughs> he, uh, he came in and, and Jeff Toole was kind of the anointed one. And, it, and I know he wasn't supposed to be a first or second round pick, but he was definitely kind of that mid-round pick potential. Uh, Jeff was a positive encouragement kind of guy. He was not the guy that was motivated by a coach getting in your face. And they were working on a drill and, and he just didn't look right. He, didn't, he wasn't throwing the ball real well. And Mike Leach freaked out and, and said, uh, does, he yelled at him and you could see, I mean, it really bothered Jeff. I mean, he, I, I was on the sideline and you could see, I mean, he really got into his face. He was screaming at him, uh, you know, emotional, not, not crying, but just it stunned him. You know, he was just, he's never been treated like that. It was one of the first practices with Leach. And uh, Leach said, does that hurt your effing feelings? The way you throw a football hurts my effing feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of laughed. And then uh, it turned out a reporter wrote that transaction or that, that exchange. And uh, he tried to ban them from practice for like a week. It was like a student reporter and we knew better, you know, you don't, the interactions like that between coach and player, you don't need to report that stuff. And uh, at the time, I think it was the student newspaper, one of the student blogs wrote that exchange and, and he tried to pull their credential for a week. So that was, yeah, but funny. that's, you know, unfortunately I think there's more coaches that need to have that type of approach and, and kids need to be able to accept that type of coaching if they're going to reach their full potential. So you see, kids at all levels in football and basketball trying to reach their potential so you can see the skill stuff but how deep do you as an evaluator and recruiting analyst dive into the off the court stuff and how many times have you basically said I can't rank a kid this high because I know they're not going to reach their potential because of maybe their lack of being willingness to be coached Sure. I, I think that's baked into any evaluation. And, and sometimes you're going off what you hear. 
And sometimes you're going off what you know that, that you've had interactions with a kid. I know there are, I think it's six times now that I've had fairly significant issues with the kid where I wrote a story about a kid and then he went on social media and called me names or, <laughs> or like really crazy, like got in my DMs and, and said crazy stuff or he called me because he had my number, gave my number to a parent and they cussed me out. All six of those kids were either kicked off their team or transferred as freshmen. And all of them ended up at a lower level than what they thought they were at. So pretty traditionally, if you've got an issue with me or you've got an issue with reporters and you're causing problems when people are interviewing you, there's some real red flags. And then, of course, there's just the academic stuff. And, and that stuff can be harder to to weed out because no one wants to say the kid's certainly not going to tell you like, hey, my grades are bad. And the coach will tell you sometimes a high school coach will tell you sometimes, but his parents aren't going to say like, Hey, don't say anything, but uh, he's got a 2.1. So, uh, you know, so some of that stuff you have to weed out, but uh, generally speaking, that's just all baked in, right? You know, when a kid, you can see in a, in a, in a practice, whether it's a court or a football field, I think you can always kind of tell, is this kid passionate? Is this kid engaged? Is this kid learning? Is he a leader? You can see all that stuff, uh, pretty quickly and you can also tell when it's fake when the teammates are looking at him like are you doing this because there are reporters here because you're not normally like this you know you can tell that stuff pretty quickly once you once you get used to kind of being in practice settings and being being around game settings what's the difference between uh how you cover football and how you cover basketball because uh obviously in football when you have to sift through thousands not that you don't in basketball but the um, the sheer numbers of players on a football roster are much more do you do you lean on a coach early on uh to kind of help you spotlight guys or you just like to go in with a blank slate and and let your eyes tell the story that you want to tell well for me i i need to do a mix and and match you know i'm i'm five eight <laughs> I'm not a big time I'm not a big time athlete like I would pick your brain so if you went to a game I know you know what you're talking about so if you went to a game and you said hey I went and saw team x and they've got this prospect I would want to get to know you talk to you and find out what you think I want to talk to high school football coaches so in in high school basketball coaches in basketball I'm a little more reliant on coaches on fellow evaluators I can see some things you know I went and saw uh, ben Simmons at the uh, the Les Schwab Invitational a few years ago, and I I did I was like I'm gonna do a scouting report. And I handed it to my editor, and they were like, "What is this?" Because the evaluation at the end was probably the number one overall pick. And then I said, "Looks disinterested, doesn't have a tenacious re you know not a tenacious rebounder, great handles, uh, Magic Johnson like vision at the high school level. We'll see how that develops. Can't shoot." doesn't seem interested in shooting. So that ended up being accurate yeah. as did him being the number one pick. And my editor was like, this makes no sense. So I kind of have an eye for it. I, I thought Jalen Brown was great. Um, I was a huge fan of uh, Duante Murray coming out of Washington. I thought he was a steal for the Spurs when they drafted him in the late first round. I saw him in high school and said, this is a lottery pick. He's got length. Uh, I think he's got a developing shot. He's got the handle. He's going to be a good on-ball defender. So I can see that kind of stuff. And then beyond that, it's it's asking and relying on other people. You know, like guys, Peyton Pritchard to me is one of those borderline guys. I saw him in high school, and he's a phenomenal player. Didn't have a lot of length. Isn't an elite lights-out shooter, but a good shooter, and he works really hard. He's got a tight handle. But I need to ask other people, that can this translate to the NBA? Is he long enough? Is he athletic enough to 
to, to guard other guards in the NBA. And so there's kind of a blend. Whereas football, I do a lot better job, especially with quarterbacks, wide receivers, corners. I do a pretty good job on my own and I need a little bit to kind of get to know the personality, understand some of the technique stuff. I, I dig in and ask coaches about that. How's this technique? How's that? But I can see route running with receivers. I can see with quarterbacks that the arm strength, you know, the ability to go through your reads, that kind of stuff. In the, in the world of college athletics, NIL is talked about literally in almost every conversation now. Um, there's a number of states at the high school level that are having to implement some rules and some guidelines how much are you seeing that trickle into high school sports because that's where you spend the majority of your time well i live i live in oregon so we're not seeing a ton of that in oregon it certainly exists more in california and washington than it does in the state of oregon i imagine it's growing in florida and texas i'm uh, trying to kind of you know uh get set in those states as well and, and get to know that so i think that's an up-and-coming major issue. I, I think what we're seeing right now, whether it's the high school level or the college level, is a perfect storm. I, I think in a vacuum, all of these ideas made sense. NIL makes sense. Players should be able to make money off their off their name, image, and likeness. Look at look at say, you know, in Europe, if you're a European soccer player, you know, if, if you told people in Europe, like, hey, we pay our very best 17 and 18 year olds like a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars. You get laughed out at any pub in Europe. It's like we pay our 15 year olds three million dollars to come play. This, that's nothing, you know, that's peanuts. So it's all about perspective. But the NIL in a vacuum made a lot of sense that that you can't really tell people that they can't make money off their own name, image, and likeness in a vacuum. The transfer portal made sense. You've got all these coaches leaving and, and leaving now in the middle of the year because there's a recruiting, you know, there's an early recruiting period in December. So in football, you've got coaches leaving after their teams made a major bowl game, you know, and, and then not coaching in that bowl game, you know, and then uh, um, we got transfer portal. We've got NIL. And what's, what's the other big one right now going around in the world of sports? Um, it just seems like we've got all these things that, that are happening that in a vacuum make a lot of sense. And yet together, combined together, it's very complicated in the sense that, okay, transfer portals totally legit. Now that wasn't the case a few years ago that you couldn't just transfer one, you know, one time for free essentially. And you combine that with NIL and, and players who are smarter, like, okay, I'm going to enter in the portal. I might come back. But let's just see what kind of offers, you know, let's, let's put some, yeah. this brew together, mix it up and see what, what comes out. Oh, 3 million bucks from USC, 3 million bucks from Texas. What do you think, North Carolina? What do you think, Duke? Can you match it? No? Okay, see you later. I mean, so the ramifications of all that stuff have been complicated. That third one that I just blanked on temporarily is, is that COVID extra year. And people don't think of that one in this mix of transfer portal yeah. and IL as being a major factor. I'm, I'm here to tell you very, very much is uh, people think the transfer portal is saturated with talent and loaded with talent because in large part, these kids are selfish and want to play. And there's some truth to that. However, in my experience, you've got top end guys transferring for NIL stuff and they can transfer for free. Then you've got more than half the portal that is kids who have been told to leave their program. And, and you'll find this coaches say, I I've asked the PAC 12 coach about this. How much of your roster are you actively trying to get rid of? And this is a school that's not 
a major contender in the power five. And they said half our roster 24 seven sports did an article and they had multiple coaches and at the football level say in football say, we're actively de-recruiting our roster, telling kids to leave. So this idea that the portal is loaded with all these guys who are selfish and want to play, that's not been my experience. In my experience, over half the guys in the portal are being told, you're not going to play. You can always be on scout team. And so everybody thinks, you know, 2000 plus guys are in the portal because they're selfish. And, and that's not been the case. So you have all of that plus eligibility. And, and that's the other layer to this whole thing that's really complicated. People think that everyone got an extra year for COVID, that everyone just got an extra year. It's actually at the discretion of the coaching staff. And they can give you that extra year at any time during your time at that college. So if you're a sophomore and they don't really think you're very good, when COVID happened, they went, mm, that cost you a year. Hey, freshman who's starting, you're still a freshman. And they see that, right? So they see like, hey, I, the coaching staff didn't give me a year. They gave this freshman an extra year because they think he's more valuable. And so all of this stuff comes together all at once. COVID, the portal, NIL, and the NCAA's head is spinning. No wonder the fans' heads are spinning. I think there are college coaches going, this is all too much. Yeah, you know, I've, I've said that that extra COVID year is really impacting high school kids with the recruiting, but you had a different uh, angle than I had thought about before in that many of these guys with an extra year left are basically pushed aside by their current team or the team that they had just finished with. So that's a good, interesting angle I'd never thought of, but it makes a lot of sense. Last question, Andrew, before I let you go is, you know, with – the the ability of social media to spread uh, a prospect's video or highlights resume so quickly. Is there truly any under the radar prospects out there anymore? And and if you come across one that's kind of under unknown at the time, how do you take that upon yourself to share that kid's message or build his opportunities? Well, it's becoming, it's becoming less and less so that a guy is under the radar because if you're good, you should have people in your camp telling you to go on visits, to go to showcase events, to go to camps, to be seen. But Justin Herbert came out of Sheldon High School, less than 10 miles away from the University of Oregon just a few years ago. And his circumstances were unique, but it, it is that kid that could potentially get lost. He, he broke his leg as a junior. He was a three-sport athlete wasn't big in the camp circuit. And I had a chance to see him and I'd been to the elite 11. And I, I mean, I wrote, I talked about it. This is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in America. He absolutely belongs at the elite 11. And at the time he was not rated by, by anybody. And that wasn't some level of genius by me. People who saw him locally were going, how is this kid not a four-star recruit? He might be a five-star He's unbelievable. You know, he's six, five. He's, I mean, it, we now know what he is. 220, 230 pounds, but he broke in his leg. And then it's, Hey, come to these showcase events. I, I like to fish. I like to play basketball. I like <laughs> to play baseball. I like doing other stuff. And he's that unique kid. So I, I do think you can still be under the radar, but I think there are so many avenues in place for athletes to be seen that I really do think at this point, it takes an academic issue, an injury issue, or a geographical issue. I think if you're a great football player in Los Angeles, if you're a great football player in Seattle, if you're a great football player in Miami, 
it's going to be really tough for you not to be seen unless are you not, you know, are you not hustling going to camps, you know, but if you're from Idaho, if you're from Montana and you get hurt your junior year, COVID wipes out your sophomore year. I think there is a place where, where those kids are getting overlooked. And, and so it, it's really important to, to market yourself as best you can. But again, if you have 150 followers because you're from wherever Idaho, it does make it harder. So I think there are unique circumstances where that's the case, but I, I think it's becoming harder and harder and knock on wood, hopefully all the athletes that are worthy are having the opportunities to be seen and, and get discovered by college coaches. Awesome. Great stuff, Andrew. I appreciate the time. I actually, I, I would love to have you on again some point uh, when we get uh, a little deeper into the evaluation periods on the basketball side, because you're working both football and basketball uh, angles for SB Live Sports. So thanks for getting, for joining. Have yourself a great weekend.